Welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. Today, we're going to be talking with AT&T about the promise of 5G. I'm excited to welcome to the podcast today, Jason Inskeep, Director of the 5G Center for Excellence at AT&T. Jason, welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. Thank you. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. Can you tell us a bit about um, your background and, and role at AT&T before we dive into the discussion about 5G? Yeah, thanks. Um, so at AT&T, I've had a kind of myriad of jobs um, on the sales front, uh, originally into AT&T, uh, really focusing on the small business sales, um, then moving into our at one time was our sale, our mobile application sales overlay team. Then I took a very weird turn and ended up in our AT&T Foundry, which is one of our, our research and development wing, and then went into product, which then led me down the path of shiny new toy called 5G. Let's go figure mm-hmm. it out. Um, and that's where I've been since, um, since about, uh, about eight months ago, where they moved me into we built it. Now let's go scale it, right? So that's where we are in terms of, you know, taking this uh, thing that we call 5G and making it uh, something the customers can use. So that's Absolutely. kind of where I've been and where we're going. Yeah. Cool. And how long have you been at AT&T Total? Uh, it'll be 11 years in July. Doesn't seem like it, but we've done a lot of different things over that time period. But yeah, 11 years. Time flies when you're having fun, right? <laughs> Some days, right? Some days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Um, good. Okay, so so let's dive into talking about 5G. And, and this is, you know, it, it's a topic that gets... Um, uh, a lot of buzz, right? I think there's there's a lot of interest in it, but I think there's also some some confusion and and perhaps you know misperceptions. So so we certainly want to tackle all of that. So let's start by um, getting your thoughts on on what is the promise of 5G? What are the value points that 5G will bring to businesses? Yeah, I think there's some common ones that that are you know talked about maybe in the spec, and then there's some less common ones that you, you really you may not think about on the service, especially from a consumer lens. But it's definitely paid to paid attention more on the, the business lens. Uh, so some of the ones that are you know typically talked about quite often, obviously the obvious one, as with every other G, has been higher speeds, more bandwidth, mm-hmm. right? So so that's a that's a key consideration that's coming with 5G. Um, in the, in the mid and low band spectrum, it's going to be more of a, let's call it a ramp, but the newly introduced high band spectrum creates that step change in terms of bandwidth. The second piece that, uh, kind of talks about, you know, sometimes it's split into two categories, but it, it, it you know, most times talk to you together is ultra low latency and ultra reliability. And those two, to me, fundamentally start to change the way we think about things. Right in terms of the time it takes the the packet to travel versus the speed at which it travels, two kind of very similar um, words but have different uh, implications on the on the output. Um, the other one that that's really for me very big is is seeing this rise of massive IoT. Right, so the ability for the uh, cellular network to support more endpoints per square kilometer. So, so that's a big one in terms of what's, you know, growing and what's scaling uh, out in public in terms of the hockey stick of data hasn't slowed down. Mm-hmm. And then some of the ones that to me are are less uh, obvious, 
but you know, very important when we look at the enterprise, especially in thinking about field service, is 5G starting to create the opportunity for convergence, right? So the lines between wired and wireless are becoming very blurry. And that's really been enabled heavily by a move to a software-defined network, right? The ability to now have the network and puzzle pieces that I can move around and, and put where I need to. So that's a that's a big, big change. The other one that kind of goes in in, uh, in tangent with, with that convergence is not just looking at the network in terms of performance on just the network, but looking at it from point of origin to destination. So really looking at the end-to-end performance, right? Oftentimes, a lot of the commercials you see from, from any of us focus on network performance, network speed, network latency, which is which is key. But, you know, as a user, uh, you want to think about the end-to-end. And I think 5G is one of the first networks that, that I've seen from a sailor perspective that really truly creates that uh, opportunity for convergence of cloud application, wired, and wireless networks, right? So, so to me, those are the big ones. Again, the, the ones I talked about earlier. So you've got, you know, speed, you've got latency, reliability, are, and massive IoT are, are four very hot topics at the top level. But then the ones that aren't seen as much or maybe not thought about as much that, that are kind of opportunistic inside of this is this, op- is this chance for convergence, right? A, a kind of a single network sort of flat topology that allows a, a customer to drop, that use case to drop connectivity versus being inhibited by it. Okay, perfect. Um, that makes that makes a lot of sense. So um, thinking about it from from a, a field service perspective, you know, our, our audience is comprised of a variety of different industries that are, are providing service. Um, so are there certain industries or applications that you think will benefit most significantly from 5G? Um, I actually think early on when we started looking at this, um, I, I guess the, the short answer is early on, I, I think the industrial type of customer, the, the manufacturing, the, say, refineries, mines, those sort of places, um, maybe the early adopters, right? Really looking at it from kind of an inside-out lens, some of the things that they may be thinking about in terms of Industry 4.0. And, you know, Sailor provides a, a pretty, you know, very stable platform, and it gives you a lot of scale inside of the things that, that they're starting to think about, whether it's robotics, whether it's uh, video as a sensor, which to me, is becoming one of the most portable technologies available right now. Everything from, you know, it's being talked about to be used for COVID response up to, you know, thermal detection of a pipeline, right? Where's the, where's the heat on the pipeline versus deploying, you know, 100 uh, temperature sensors. So we're seeing, you know, those types of technologies that have a uh, definite need for very predictable, very uh, latency-sensitive type of application rise to the top. And at the same time, the um, those types of industries, your field service type of industries, or I should say industrial type of industries, uh, they can put a finger on the ROI really fast, right, in terms of, you know, where that value comes from, from either a CapEx or an OpEx perspective. I think in the – there's a lot of uh, excitement as well on the consumer side, but, I, you know, there's still that, you know, hedge toward it, it's faster kind of conversation. I don't think – the consumer side is yet to really pick up on where that killer at per se, whereas in the um, the, the industrial side, th- they can see it because of some of the limitations they've had on, it, again, could be robotics, could be uh, those types of areas. 
that they're really driving forward to with uh, with their industry 4.0 oh, industry 4.0 oh mindset. Okay, good. So let's talk a little bit more about some of the technological advancements that will become possible with or or advance with 5G. Um, so you've mentioned a few, but let's expand on those and and let's kind of talk about some of the other opportunities this technology will bring um, to to what companies are working towards in terms of digital transformation. Yeah, I, I think one of the the big things that's maybe as an operator overlooked. Um, has been overlooked in terms of our talk track and in terms of you know, education to customers has been spectrum, right? And that's the, the oil that powers these wireless networks, whether it's 5G, whether it's Wi-Fi, whatever it is. And, and we can't get enough of it, keep going by the rate of data that's being created and generated and moving through the network. So the more spectrum we have, uh, that's that's the first technology, right? Which is to have more of that, that air to, to drive these uh, density of IoT use cases, density of devices, density of, of change in terms of what customers are doing today. The second thing is, is really educating on how cellular works, right? Most teams that are in the industrial spaces right now ha have, have a understanding of cellular, but not at a really deep level of cellular. And right, so they're trying to think about what's the optimal solution going forward. And it's good to understand what that, uh, where network meets application. So in terms of some of those applications we're seeing, um, we're, we've been working with some customers on automated guided vehicles. And when we saw those vehicles in their initial state, the vehicles moved really, really slow. And, and the concern on that was latency spikes due to their current uh, connectivity type. Cellular is very you know, flat in terms of how, it, uh, how latency adjusts. So if we can, you know, close that latency gap from a cellular perspective, I think today we're somewhere between 40 and 50 milliseconds out in the macro. Uh, but with edge type technologies that, that we you know, take advantage of, which is for us very similar to private LTE or private 5G, uh, we're able to close that latency gap. We've seen it, you know, go a, a sub 10 milliseconds already. Uh, but that's only going to continue to improve as the network continues to improve on the back end function. Uh, so that's the AGV. The other one, I mentioned video, and I'll give you a good example of video as a sensor. Uh, one of the customers we're working with, industrial, uh, they've got pipelines running from their you know, back, back of house or industrial side into their uh, kind of manufacturing space. And obviously, temperature is a big concern for that you know, upstream to downstream. Historically, they haven't done too much because the cost of the infrastructure outweighed the hypothesis of return. But with cellular and some of the penetration values in the low and mid-band ranges, now they could go in and they could put you know, sensors on that pipeline without having to deploy a lot of extra infrastructure in that pipeline because it would penetrate through the block concrete underground. But that also led to innovation for them to say, you know, I also have a concern for, are my employees standing up? Have they fallen down? Are they wearing PPE, the right protective equipment? And you're seeing that immediate innovation drive toward, could I use a camera instead? A video as a sensor, where now the camera is looking at the pipeline to see not only where there's a, a, a temperature change, but also where that temperature change originated. And oh, by the way, the portability allows them to use that same technology um, to uh, see if the person that's down there is safe and is safe and where they should be. The third thing that's kind of you know came from that sort of discussion is because of how at least from AT and T's lens, we've changed the um, 
the, the edge, right, in terms of how the, the data is routed and changed, that's less of an OPEX concern cost for the customer and more a cost of capacity, right? Do I ship all the data back? Do I keep the data at the camera and use it only when necessary? And it's really trying to be future thinking on, you know, where is the hyper edge versus the, the prim edge versus the central edge to fare that air interface or that, that spectrum, which is the, the, key, the resource we can't get enough of. And we, we, we use up as fast as we get it. So those are just some of the areas that we're seeing, but a lot of the industrial customers that we're starting with, it's, it's step one for their journey into this, you know, call, call it private 5G, private LTE kind of space. And you're seeing a lot of times they start with connected worker, right? So anything that empowers the worker to, you know, get their job done in a quicker way with an eye toward longer term, how that plays into the sensor environment. All the way from from starting with gateways, all the way down to the uh, the, the the endpoints themselves. That makes sense. Um, so so it's certainly something that can be built upon um, in in a number of different ways. Um, one of the things that that I've seen a lot of debate on is the the timeline of five G adoption. So um, you know I, I've read articles about how that will happen in waves, um, starting with those that need it for more mission critical scenarios. Uh, expanding to those that want to enable new use cases and then, you know, people that are working to comply with with future standards. Um, what are your thoughts on that? How do you envision that timeline kind of rolling out? So uh, that's a, a great question because it also lends itself toward how do you define it, right? Because, you know, traditional, say, 4G, 3G, 2G, it was how fast are you? What's your map look like and who's the cheapest, right? When you talk to a customer, that's really what it amounted to. Right? Mm -hmm. But you know, there weren't a lot of players in the space, but you know, when you had those conversations, that's what it lends itself to. 5G is a, a paradigm shift in terms of technology because it was built based on the cloud. Right? It was built in software. It was born out of software based on, you know, we couldn't keep up when the, the good and the bad for AT&T, when the iPhone came out, it was a gift for us, but it was also a curse because the number, the amount of data just, it skyrocketed in terms mm -hmm. of applications, the Uber economy, those sort of things take off, which forced, you know, forced us early on to look to this SDN software-defined kind of model. And that allows us to kind of move the puzzle pieces around. So when you think about the data, you know, ramp, that, that it's not slowing down. If anything, it's increasing. I think right now our number is somewhere between 70, 70, maybe 80%. Let's may keep me honest on this, but it's kind of, that's what video, that's just a video running on the network, right? It's mm -hmm. only increasing, right? So we went to software defined and we see edge as a key construct of 5G, which we can deploy today, right? In the LTE construct, because the core has already started to make those changes toward 5G. If you look at, if you look at the G or 5G as based on the traditional scenario I mentioned, which is speed map and cost, you know, yeah, that you may look at that and say, yeah, that's a ways out. But if if I only do those two features, which is more radios, better highway, better infrastructure, it's going to, as an industry, we're going to struggle to keep up with the demands on the network. So at some point, you have to look at edge as well. We started on that path day one because we realized we had to get there. We knew we could take that advantage and go really 
almost from an, from an inside-out perspective, looking at the customer environment, let the customer environment and what they do, whether it's augmented reality, whether it's robots, whether it's just changing the connectivity paradigm, would help us inform the macro and how the macro looks. While at the same time, because of our investments in FirstNet and our tie to FirstNet for our first responders, we're building that infrastructure as we go. So that's in the macro, and we'll start to learn how the macro needs based on the micro needs inside. Because the customers, the same application, a lot of these applications that are, that are hype cycle or, or hyper real in terms of 5G, still early on, maybe in some of the spaces, they're very portable from a technology. Their tools are very portable across different industries, across different user types. Mm-hmm. But the industrial spaces right now in the, in the field service, the groups that you work with, your audiences, they, they, they know where they need to get to. They see the gaps already. It's just that as an operator, from the um, you know, network perspective, the, the way we've done things in the past didn't really fit with how they wanted to control data, control privacy, control security, control access. That's the, the 5G construct and what's happening in this bubble of edge has allowed us to push that envelope all the way down to those folks, which is informing us into the macro. So long answer to a short question, but in essence, your view of whether 5G is going to take a long time or a short time depends on how you define it. If you just define it based on speed, map, and cost, probably not quite here yet. But if you're defining it as speed, map, cost, edge, and the convergence, it's here today because we're doing it already. But again, that that's, depends on how you, you look at it from a definition perspective. Purely from the 3GPP construct and where the infrastructure is built out with a high band spectrum, probably don't even count that as being a 5G and it'll be a year, few years. But if you back it into all of those things coming together in this converged kind of model, we're starting to see that already. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Um, Jason, what would you say are the biggest misperceptions that exist about 5G? First one is it's only about high bandwidth spectrum, right? That, that's tended to be the, you know, the buzzword, right? Because, you know, the newly introduced spectrum for us, it was it's 39 gigahertz uh, millimeter wave spectrum. And yes, the, the speeds on that are going to be incredible. Um, but that's not the only spectrum that's going to be a part of 5G. You're also going to have the traditional mid and low band spectrum that over time will convert over. We at AT&T, we announced our millimeter wave zones in, I want to say, 35 cities plus um, growing. Our sub six, which is, you know, the, the, the spectrum that kind of covers the map. And I use my analogy of like chunky peanut butter. The creamy peanut butter is what covers the map. The, chunky, the chunks are the millimeter wave zone, doesn't travel very far, doesn't penetrate very well, but boy, if you got it, it's a whole different texture, a whole different feel. Mm-hmm. And then the jelly on that is the edge, right? So that's the first thing, right? You've got spectrum. What does that mean? That, that's, a, that's a new area. You've got different types of it, and it's not just millimeter wave that's going to drive 5G. The second thing, I, I think misconception-wise, is just an understanding of how 5G works in comparison to how other technologies work, or I shouldn't say five, just say cellular works, right? Most of our customers today haven't necessarily, especially the ones that I talk to in, in the space that you, you, you work with, they're kind of new to the overall construct of cellular. But the introduction of uh, shared spectrum, CBRS, has created a, a new 
um, area for them to look at, which is kind of some of the things we're doing. So when they compare it to the existing technologies, there's a translation effort that needs to happen, right? So they can get that uh, understanding between the two. Um, I think what are the other ones? Those are the big ones. The other one that, that I, I think is, is kind of that, that we, really, we really tried to drive to is that it's not just about the network anymore. It's network plus the cloud, plus the application, driving beyond just um, the network performance to get to the end-to-end -end performance, which means really to get where, let's call it the Nirvana use cases, let's say autonomous cars, drones, and those things kind of moving on their own through society or in a factory kind of environment, the ecosystem has to develop with it, right? We're great at building networks, but I've got to also know how my network intertwines with, with the application, right? And the application has to inform the network and vice versa. So it's not just going to be incumbent upon us. It's going to be incumbent upon the ecosystem to kind of meet us in the middle, to drive where the customers want to be. And, and that's a big change. It's a paradigm shift for us as an operator. I think it's a paradigm shift for the industry. Um, so th those are the big ones. I think, again, the spectrum and kind of getting lost in just high speed. And then kind of the, the periodic progression of what is 5G, because it, it's going to be an, it's an evolving network. It's not like prior networks that was today I'm on 3G, tomorrow I'm on 4G. There, there's evolutionary steps that happen through the journey to 100% 5G. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Um, good. And I think it's it's good to be aware of those misperceptions and to to educate listeners um, um, to clear some of those up. What advice, Jason, do you have for our listeners on how they should be um, thinking about preparing for and and deriving the full value from 5G? Uh, that's a great question, and it's also one of the ones that um, I get quite often with customers, right? And, and for me, number one is you know, get educated on the basics of cellular. Forget the 5G, right? Start with the basic understanding of, of cellular, right? What does it mean in context to, especially for your listeners, right? Because they're hearing, you know, there, there's a whole new group, a whole new, you know, conversation that's happening around private cellular, right, in, in your environment, especially those that are, you know, field service on a campus type of location, not necessarily as much maybe in the macro, but on the campus location, they've got a whole new set of suitors that are talking to them about using cellular on the land. As they're thinking about it, you know, really the first thing they want to kind of do is step back and understand the cool constructs of what is cellular, right? how does it work? That will help them advance toward what is the difference between LTE and 5G. Second, from, from AT&T's lens, I've got to be a little selfish on the commercial here, right? It's we want the customers to just help us understand the use cases, right? understand the things that you're doing today, not necessarily what you're thinking about tomorrow, but just where you are today, right? Because the, the good news from where I sit is I have connectivity across all areas. And, and you know, just like air and water, you got to have connectivity. Right. Without it, can't breathe and you're, you're going to dehydrate. Right. So if it's gone, can't do these applications you want to do. From our lens, we're able to support connectivity all the way through, especially now that we've changed in this, um, you know, SDN world. So to that point, the better off 
the customer is, number one, in understanding the basics of, of cellular, and number two, have a well understanding of how their applications work today, and then number three, begin to think about how distributed compute models start to look, right? Because that's another key thing that I'm seeing with a lot of customers is that they're starting to think about edge, edge analytics, you know, how does edge analytics tie into AR to drive the right experience at the right time for the right person? And, you know, latency is becoming as important, in some cases maybe more important, than, um, than speed and bandwidth, right? And, uh, you know, one of the best commercials I've seen, actually I'm proud it came from AT&T, was uh, the, the gentleman sitting at, at dinner with his, his girlfriend and he asked her to marry him. And there's a long pause between her, his question and her answer. And if, if anybody's ever done that, you know that's a nervy time, whether it's <laughs> two seconds or 20 minutes, right? It, yeah. It's nervy waiting for the answer, even if you know it's yes, right? So that's latency. The decision didn't change. It was still a kilobyte decision, but the time it took to make the decision could cause backstream, you know, downstream impact, right? 5G and this converged architecture hopefully mitigates that latency. And if I, but if I only do it from the perspective of network or application, there's a gap, right, in terms of that being the experience that I'm trying to drive for. So there's, number one, learn cellular at its basic levels, right? You know, the thing, differences between session stand-up, asynchronous versus synchronous, those kind of, kind of basic functions. Two, understand your current users, user types, et cetera. And then three, map that, you know, kind of distributed convergence kind of model. What does that look like? What's the inventory I have from a cloud perspective, from an application perspective, and is it ready to move from a central location out? And if it's not, can the changes in the network accommodate the experiences I'm trying to get to? Those are kind of the big three that I, I typically talk about, whether directly or indirectly with uh, customers in a preparation format. Good, good. Well, this has been um, really interesting to me, uh, and, and I really appreciate you um, sharing this insight. Um, is there, I guess, any other comments or thoughts you have that you would want to share sort of in summary or in closing? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the big thing overall is, you know, look, look beyond um, just the network anymore, right? Traditionally, you know, before AT&T, I, I worked in the software companies and, you know, the software developer kind of sat in one room, the network developer kind of sat in another room and they kind of came together at the end. In the next generation, I, I, because latency sensitivity is becoming more and more um, important, that software developer and that network developer, as well as that business user, all need to sit around a pizza box. Right, they all need to be working together iteratively because there's a lot of things technically that are very possible. And as I said, the good news of software is you can do whatever you want. The bad news of software is you can do whatever you want. So the more that these groups come together, the better the optimal solution will be on the other end at a micro level. But that's also happening at a macro level. So some of the partnerships you're seeing with, with operators like ourselves or others or the partner with cloud providers or non-traditional partners, you're seeing that at a top level. And customers at a micro level should try to maybe think the same way as they're developing their roadmap, whether it's, again, 5G related or related to digital transformation going forward. Good, good. 
Um, I appreciate that, and uh, and I think that's uh, representative of you know the fact that regardless of what technology we're talking about, you know, there there needs to be a less siloed and more a collaborative approach to accomplishing objectives. Um, so that's that's definitely a good point. Okay, well, Jason, I, I really appreciate you um, coming on the podcast and and sharing with us uh, today. Um, so so thank you for being here. And um, if uh, if there's um, is there somewhere you can point folks to that would want to you know find additional resources on what AT and T is doing around five G? Yeah, we we have our five G for business site. Um, can't remember the link off the top of my head. There's att.com slash 5G for business, I believe is the title. Uh, but th there's some materials there where we vamp and changing things there as well as we've, you know, taken a lot of the learnings from our customers and started to sort of implement. So you're seeing that update in real time. Uh, and that's a, that's a good start for us. But uh, obviously we're more than happy to come do that education because, you know, my team and us, we spend bulk of our time in the field already. So we, we do appreciate you. Thank you. Well, thank you. Good. Uh, all right. And for more information on uh, different technologies service organizations are using to transform their businesses, check us out at futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn as well as Twitter at the future of FS. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more about IFS service management solutions by visiting www.ifs.com. As always, thank you for listening.